It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Who they think you're gonna beat them bangles? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another day, another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This is, I believe, just two days in a row of the Bengals signing unrestricted free agents this time around, but they signed two guys today. So does that count similarly to last week when they went three days in a row signing unrestricted free agents? We're, we're solidly in tier three, tier four free agents at this point. And today we get to talk about another new addition, and he likely, we will break down for you the impact, the importance of the Von Bell signing, former safety from New Orleans, went to Ohio State University. They are building, as Ben Baby pointed out, a lot of that 2015 Ohio State University roster onto this team at this point. We'll break that down for you in part one of the show. And then I think it's time to do some free agent farewells and a little more listing and ranking because I know the people like it when we rank things. Joe, let's rank the Bengals free agent signings so far in part three of the show. But first, let's talk about the newest Bengal, Bengals, Von Bell. And the cornerback they signed away from the Tennessee Titans, LaShawn Sims. So, Joe, let's break it down. Joe, let's get started by talking about LaShawn Sims, the cornerback from the Tennessee Titans. He looks like a special team signing. The Bengals lost, of course, Tony McRae. They lost Clayton Fedulam. They need some guys for Darren Simmons, the now assistant head coach of this football team. And I feel like this is one of his signings. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think after signing Mike Thomas from the Rams at wide receiver, who's also a special teamer, they needed to round out that other half. We've talked about the extra two roster spots added to the team this year. I think we could be looking at corner and wide receiver that can play special teams. And that's where Sims comes in. He has 1,200 career defensive snaps, but he has 900 career special team snaps, which is pretty significant for a fifth-year guy. That sounds like a great insurance piece of veteran at the back of the roster in the cornerback room who can play special teams and provide value in both places. Kind of a fallback option because they now have nine cornerbacks, I believe, on the roster. They won't all make the team, but they might go heavier there than they have in years past. Now let's get into Von Bell, the more exciting, the more 
substantial in terms of dollars and years deal the Bengals made. He gets $18 million over three years. Reportedly, Mike Garofalo says $11.5 million in the first two years of that deal, a $3 million signing bonus. Sounds like a pretty good contract for a player that should have a pretty clear-cut role in Cincinnati. If you look at his performance, he's not your typical two-deep safety. He's not going to be back there with Jesse Bates splitting the field on cover two plays. He's going to be a box guy, right, Joe? Yeah, he started all four years for New Orleans. So at 25 years old, he's played a lot, 3,600 snaps. In comparison to Sean Williams, veteran of the Bengals, that's going to be 29 soon, he's played 4,000 snaps. So really, Von Bell is very experienced for a young guy. And we've seen him do everything in these four years as the Saints kind of tried to figure out what he does best. And we saw in 2018 was probably his best season. And if you go back and watch that tape and see what he does, He's pretty much a linebacker or in-the-box strong safety. And then last year, they played him at free safety far too often, 500 snaps at free safety. I don't think that's his role. I don't think that's what he's going to do. And if you look at the Bengals' construction of the roster right now at safety, you definitely have a free type in Jesse Bates. And I think a lot of Bengals fans would be surprised to know that Sean Williams is one of the best cover strong safeties in the league. And getting him back into that role may be where you find the role for Von Bell. And that's more in a linebacker position, more in a cover position down closer to the line. And he's also a fantastic blitzing safety. Yeah, early in Sean Williams' career, he wasn't always in the box. He wasn't playing linebacker nearly as much as he did this year. And he graded really quite well in coverage for many of those years. He has coverage grades from PFF of 78.7, 67 and 83 from 2018 back to 2015. So getting him back into that role, if he stays on the team, could benefit the entire defense. And then you use Von Bell as more of that box safety, that linebacker support player, gives them more flexibility for their big nickel, gives them better players for their big nickel if Sean Williams remains on the team. But this does bring up the possibility that They might just be ready to move on and they probably carry him to training camp, right? And they can probably make a decision at that point, but they also may have already made a choice here that either this is the three safeties that we want to feature on our defense, or we're going to move forward with Von Bell. Yeah. And I wonder if they still like Sean Williams. He was a captain last year. I think he struggled a little bit when he had to go down and play linebacker. Although I love the idea of the versatility there it wasn't his best season. And you can look at it that way and say, well, he's one of the few contracts on the roster where they can actually save a lot of money without taking a big hit. So is that the route? Is that the path to save some? Because they're pretty quickly getting up against the cap limit here if they're not already over it. But I think you look at this and say, what's the impact of the draft? Even if you don't keep all three, you're going to at least keep Sean Williams until training camp. I would say that now safety isn't high on the list. I would be surprised if it was a safety pick at 33. Jake, you and I, we've drafted safeties in, in mock draft simulators at, at pick 33. I don't think that's an option anymore. I think we're squarely looking at best player available when they're on the clock to start off round two. And I think there's a chance that that's still a safety, but it would have to be one of the solid first round safeties taking an unexpected fall. And, and really, I think that's essentially only Xavier McKinney that I would feel really good about picking at 33 with the guys they have on the roster just because he is such a versatile piece. Although, you could make a similar argument, I guess, for Grant Delpit in terms of coverage ability. He might be more versatile in terms of playing the slot 
a little bit more than you'd like to see Xavier McKinney go, especially in man coverage in the slot, but maybe not. Regardless, I agree with you that generally safety moves down in priority, much the same that cornerback significantly down in priority. So what does that leave? Well, they haven't real well, so maybe they think Xavier Suofilo is addressing the offensive line and they feel like that has also pushed that down from their priority list. What does that leave then, Joe? Future needs. And that's it. Linebacker for, for immediate need for sure. Uh, because they've only signed Josh Bynes there. And wide receiver, future needs. I think you could say edge also. I think Zach Bond, you know, he would be a linebacker and an edge player. And you can look at and say, well, Carl Lawson's going into his fourth year. Um, Do you extend him? Do you not? Is he enough of a a major role player to do that? And Carlos Dunlap's getting up there. And I think on the current path, they'd like to extend Sam Hubbard probably next offseason. So, yeah, getting an edge guy that can help you be more multiple in the front uh, makes a lot of sense to me. But I'm starting to I'm going to really look at offensive linemen that could be available at that pick because it may be the biggest opportunity for them to upgrade. Whether they they don't feel that way or not, I think if they matched it up with their own grades of the players on the roster versus the grades of the guys that could be available there, it's going to be the biggest position where you're like, okay, most bang for your buck, maybe O-line at 33. I think it opens the door for tackle more than it was before that maybe they don't feel like they have to go draft uh whatever top interior offensive lineman there is there because really after cesar ruiz or i don't actually know if it's cesar or caesar i keep saying cesar because i assume but uh after him i think there's a bit of a a bit of a drop off so maybe they don't feel pressured to go get a guy interior but if josh jones is there now they can feel really comfortable with that pick uh if a linebacker is there, they can feel comfortable with that pick. If one of the corners they really like is there, they can still go that way. If one of the wide receivers, Rager, Mims, uh, Justin Jefferson, maybe, if any of those guys fall out of the first round, they can feel comfortable there. And I do want to say one other name, Terrell Lewis, a guy that Mm. has been mentioned by people close to the team from the senior bowl on, even before the senior bowl, I think, with edge when you said edge that's the name that came to mind right away i find it a very unexciting name i he's a tough projection for me um only because i don't think he was fully used in the way that i think he projects in the nfl he's a tweener type that i don't think is much of a tweener he's he's the old school tweener it's hard because we don't get those guys anymore right and what i mean is um i think he is a strictly three four outside linebacker and i'm not doing much else with him and I don't even I'm not even sure he's a great pass rushing before outside guy he's a he's a big strong run defender that gives you a little pass rush yeah but it is a name that we've heard a lot of and in terms of projecting what they will do rather than what we would do at that pick I think that's a name that we have to keep in mind and they have made a priority with defending the run so I say it like it's a negative but maybe for them they're like yeah that's what we want and it is important in the AFC North Less important once you get to the playoffs and you start playing against the Chiefs and the Saints and whoever else is good. I don't know. The Broncos might have a really good passing game if Drew Locke takes a step with Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton, that's his name, right? Taking, uh, He's really good. They might get another receiver in the draft here. Anyway, let's get into some of our free agent farewells here. And then we'll get to ranking the new additions to the Bengals. So we'll get into those farewells in just a minute. The Bengals have signed a bunch of players this year, and that gets us excited. And I think 
if they weren't making those moves, we'd feel much worse about the players that have left Cincinnati this offseason going on for um, new, going on to new teams as they do in free agency, as we're used to that part, right? It's the other part that's keeping us happy and full and not really thinking about those guys who, who have left the Bengals this year. And that's Clayton Fedulum, it's Andrew Billings, Starquez Denard, it's Nick Vigil, and it's Tyler Eifer. Varying degrees of success and potential remaining on their in their NFL career. Some of them young, like Fedulum and Billings. Uh, but I think we should go through some of these guys, or all of them, and think of some memories, some good, fun parts with them, um, and really talk about their new landing spot, how we feel about it. You know, do we... We miss. Are we going to miss those guys at all? The Bengals have they replaced them as of now? And I think we'll start from the bottom. Um, start with Clayton Fedulum. Have the Bengals replaced him? What's your favorite play or memory of him? For me, it's easy. I don't know. If, I don't know if anyone will have anyone different than this, but it's the scoop and score yep. in Indianapolis to kick off 2018. Yeah, yeah, last year it was. Yeah, it was. That was just a fantastic play. Cause remember, he came in for Sean Williams. Sean Williams mm-hmm. cracked um, Andrew Luck real bad. And he got kicked out of the game. New rule there. And we're like, oh, man, Fedulum's finally going to get a chance to play. But we really weren't sure at that time. And he made a huge fourth quarter play. Well, didn't he force the fumble too? Yeah. He forced it, scooped it, and returned it. Yeah. That's definitely the play to remember. He's all over on special teams as well. Good special teamer. Appreciate everything that Clayton Fedulum did in terms of his contribution. He He was a great, what, seventh round pick, right? Oh, yeah. That gets a high score in terms of you know, them hitting on a seventh rounder. It's very rare to do that. And it's a little unfortunate that they don't get to keep him because as a seventh rounder, you know, you, if you, if you find success there, it's often nice to keep those guys, but you can never fault a team really. I mean, it's not like there's a huge impact here. Realistically, they like Brandon Wilson. Uh, They just signed Von Thomas. And right, and LaShawn Sims, two special teams guys there. Well, I'm thinking I'm thinking of just in terms of safety because a lot of people wanted to see more of Federal in safety. Well now yeah. I mean they wanted Sean Williams off the field. I think I think but I, I, Sean Williams is a better player. The team spoke, I think, enough about Fedulum because they did have two better starters in Williams yeah. and Bates. But also then once um Wilson got inserted, you're like, okay. Because there's some, if you watch the All-22, Fedulum just kind of runs around sometimes. And you're like, I don't think he's, I mean, I like him running around with his head on fire. But I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure he knows what he's doing or he's doing it correctly. I'm happy for him that he got a deal. Oh, yeah, me too. hope that he has success. Miami, right? Yeah, he's down with Brian Flores. Our old friend Travis Wingfield talked to him about brian flores he talked to all their incoming free agents and they all had nice things to say about flores he's he's really well liked yeah i think free um, agents are always going to say nice things about their new coach but next guy then nick vigil i think is on the next of the going from the bottom and he's going to the chargers on a one-year deal i don't know the numbers on that yet i've had some chargers guys sb nation blogger reach out to me and ask some questions uh they've had some tackling issues and when i told them that that's really been his big weakness was the missed tackles. He was like, ah, well, that doesn't make me feel great about it. He said, what's the one play you remember from Nick Vigil then? And I, it took me a minute to remember this, but week 14 of this year, that interception of David and Njoku over the middle where he kind of catches it and rolls over him mm. and intercepts it, that's his best game maybe of his career. There's like four A-plus plays in that game, mm-hmm. and that interception's like, man, that's you. that's like linebacker heaven in terms of interception level. 
Yeah, I don't really remember. Nothing stands out for me with Nick Vigil in his career. I just remember, you know, he would make a good play here or there. You'd see a nice coverage play where he would find the ball in the air. He'd be in good position, make a play on the ball. Obviously, that Njoku play, you'd see nice plays in the running game where he would maintain his gap. He would get off his block and stack and shed and make a tackle. You, you saw it, and we said this a lot, all the parts that could make up a good linebacker in the NFL. And he just never did it all at the same time. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I wish him well, just like I'll wish all these guys well. I wouldn't have been upset if he had come back along with Josh Bynes just for some depth there. But I'm not surprised that he's gone elsewhere. I will say in his defense, he played the best football of his career in the second half of this season. And I don't know if we ever told the story fully on the podcast, but since he's gone now, can, after can Preston, eh, I'm going to. Once okay. when, after Preston Brown was released, um, Nick Vigil went to the defensive coaches and the coaches and said, um, "We really got to get this thing under control. The, the checks and the calls on the field, no one knows what they're doing. When we got to adjust, um, all three levels were just discombobulated and and how to adjust on on the fly. And he says, we got to get the calls streamlined so we can do it. And that was at the halfway point. That was at the bye week. And you can see the difference of this team on on defense after that. And a lot of credit goes to Nick Vigil. Um, That doesn't mean he's irreplaceable, but you you should want your middle linebacker or your lead linebacker to do that and take control of it eventually. And he did. So good on Nick Vigil. You get a guy like Josh Bynes to replace him. I think it would be very interesting to see. I mean, there really hasn't been, other than Vontez Burfecht's really one year, really hasn't been like a good graded linebacker on the Spangles roster in a long time. And you kind of start to think, like, can they figure it out at that position? Where Josh Bynes has played for four different teams, seems to always grade out for PFF. Well, can that carry over? Can Is it the, the Bengals or is it the player? And I tend to believe it's usually the player. So I'm excited to see that transition and potential upgrade. It's definitely not the team. They've had too many different coaches and systems on the defensive side of the ball, and they've had good play out of linebackers that weren't necessarily all that good before. It's just a matter uh, with Josh Bynes of knowing how to use him correctly. They're going to have to protect him from certain things and and lean into his strengths, and that's, that's a big factor. But I agree. Let's credit Nick Vigil for getting this defense straightened out. A lot of people like to say, oh, he played better when Preston Brown was gone. And we heard that, you know, Nick Vigil was trying to get this communication, these different responsibilities that were being told to different levels of the defense for the same call mm-hmm. that that got fixed during the bye week. Yeah. So credit there. And next guy, then we'll keep moving. Andrew Billings for me. Um, young guy. I remember at the draft time, people were talking first round, maybe yeah. second round. But I mean, he had a lot of first round buzz. I remember watching his tape very clearly at at Baylor and really liking him. And he was exactly who he was at Baylor by the time he left the Bengals in his fourth year. I I think he developed very nicely. Um, He made strides every single year, strong as an ox, um, has some burst to him, but very tight hipped and low tackle radius, I think limited some of his potential. But I think at as young as he is, man, He's got a lot of room to grow still, and I think he's going to continue growing. I, I think he's going to be good for the Browns. I think it was one of the best value signings of this free agency. Um, I hate that he went to the Browns because I still think there was a lot of upside left in him. He has some very clear strengths and some very clear weaknesses. Uh, I, I, again, I don't have plays in mind for most of these guys, and, and Andrew Billings is no exception, but I do remember being very excited when they drafted him. He is fairly athletic, like you said, for his size, was pretty pretty good speed, really good mm-hmm. broad jump. I don't know if you remember, 92nd percentile broad jump 
back of the combine, which just tells you something about his explosion. He has a natural leverage. I was always hoping he would offer a little bit more as a pass rusher. And I'm yeah. actually surprised. I'm looking at his RAS card right now that he has 33 inch arms, which he, he kind of plays a little more T-Rexy than that even. Yeah, I know what you mean. And uh, yeah, he, if you saw that profile again, I'd be like, let me get that guy in the fourth round every time. And I still would say the same thing. 20 years old, athletic, yeah. big. Yeah, I'll take that every time. I'm going to look up Renell Rem while you introduce the next guy. All right, so the next guy, in my opinion, would have to be Darquez Denard, who was a former first-round pick, and the Bengals lost two former first-round picks in this class of free agency. And Denard is, I think, you know, uh, a case of what if or should have played more or could have played more, could have been better. I think people were really excited when they drafted him. I remember having a fringe first-round grade on Darquez Denard, and the reason was he didn't um, – possessed the the long speed in my opinion he actually ran faster than you would expect if you go look it up jake and the ball skills weren't there and those are two big things for me at corner and i remember that year thinking i really wanted jason verrett and verrett has had a injury marred career but has been good in spots and i've always compared those two and then denard ended up rounding out into something i didn't expect which was a slot corner that was very physical good against the run a great tackler really aware in zone coverage, um, smart dude. I, I think he became an asset for this team over the last few years, maybe their most consistent corner over the last handful of years because William Jackson's had his moments, but obviously his downside. Kirkpatrick's always had his down flashes, but Denard, you know what you're getting, and I think you can count on that. And I don't know what's going to happen in Jacksonville. Uh, if, if he's going to play outside or not, it seems like he will. I talked to some Jacksonville radio guys when I, they had me go down there to talk to him on the phone, not go down there, but you know what I mean? Uh, and they said, yeah, they think he's going to play outside. And, you know, I cautioned them that I didn't think that was a very good idea, but I do think the Bengals have replaced him. I do like Mackenzie Alexander. You're getting younger, you're getting more athletic and they continue to add at cornerback. So um, I think they should be all right there. Yeah. You know, those Jacksonville guys have me on today. They asked me the same thing about Denard. And I think I told him the same thing you did. I, I even said, I bet you Joe, Told you guys the same thing I'm about to tell you about Dark Westernard. If he's playing slot, you're gonna love him. He's gonna be good. He's gonna and I actually said Jacksonville could follow a model from the Bengals and use him the way they use Leon Hall. Move him into the slot in nickel. But then I said, but you guys already have a slot corner, so I don't know what the plan is. But Denard, uh pleasant surprise the last few years, right? Really mm-hmm. coming into his own as a slot corner really solidified the defense last year when he came back. I think that if he had a better track record with health, if he was on some teams that won some more games, then we would look back on Darquez Denard's time in Cincinnati much differently. He's going to end up being pretty forgettable, but he could have been a really good player for this team. I think comparably, he's probably Andre Smith, another first round guy that was fine, was productive. Mm -hmm. You know, he's part of some good units, um, but ultimately never really reached the full potential, was hurt too often and, you know, was kind of miscast at times or in in bad positions sometimes. And that's okay uh, because, you know, I think that's baseline of what you want out of a first round pick. You want the guy to be a cornerstone player, but at the very least, I'll take an Andre Smith and Darquez Denard. Yeah. So Tyler Eifert's the last guy. Speaking of injuries, one of my favorite draft picks the Bengals have made just because he's such a fun player. He was an elite athlete coming out of Notre Dame. 
I told the guys in Jacksonville today when I went on there, I don't think he's the elite athlete anymore. He's definitely lost a step. He He's lost some of his jumping ability too, which I think hurts him more than just the speed and agility. Uh, because one of his greatest strengths is taking the ball out of the air, off a defender's helmet, off his nameplate. Those are I do I do remember Tyler Eifert plays, uh, oh, yeah. offensive guy, thirteen touchdowns in one year. Obviously, there's a lot of flashy stuff in there. My favorite plays watching Tyler Eifert take the ball off of a linebacker or a safety's nameplate. I when I was in Paul Brown Stadium last summer for training camp, I asked Andy Dalton, "Is this one of your favorite throws?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's a good one." Uh, he also likes throwing it up to AJ Green, obviously. We, we saw that play out. But, man, Eifert, a guy that could have been an all-time great, I think, if if not for the freak injuries. And I, I'm not, I told the Jacksonville guys, I'll tell you guys, he's not injury-prone. He's unlucky. Yeah, you're right about that. That many different injuries shouldn't happen to the same person. But um, I also remember his draft year, man, because – he wasn't projected. He wasn't mocked to the Bengals one time. If you don't remember back then, he was projected to go top 12. And a lot of times it was to the Browns. And he was full of highlights at Notre Dame. I mean, just throw it up to him. He was Larry Fitzgerald at tight end. He was Kelvin Johnson at tight end is what people were saying. Because you could just toss it up and he would make the play and score. And his ball skills were unmatched at that tight end position, not only in that class. But I think in the NFL during his peak. There were better tight ends than Gronk and Jimmy Graham at that time, and that's it because Eifert in 2015 was probably number three. But they weren't better at what he was doing. And uh, I I think that's a hit, you know, that you got exactly what you expected out of Notre Dame. It's just the injuries. Um, I agree with you. Could have been an all-time great. Could have been a wall of famer for the Bengals. And we'll remember the, the big plays and the touchdowns. And the times he was just taking over games and taking over in the red zone because his touchdown rate is just silly insane. Um, I'll remember Tyler Eifert. Excuse me, Eifert. That's not me getting choked up. I think that's the coronavirus. I remember Tyler Eifert very fondly. Yeah, and that mullet. Joe, we have some new free agents to talk about for the Bengals. Uh, I hope we got the order right today. And, and people aren't going to get upset that we're talking about the guys that left first. But we're going to welcome the new guys to Cincinnati by ranking them and talking about which, which signings you like the best to the least best, which we still like, to be clear. We'll get to that in just a minute. Transitioning from saying goodbye to the Bengals free agents they lost to the additions they've made and ranking them. And in doing so, we're going to consider the full picture here. I think the quality of the player the age, the contract, how we see their fit or potential um, impact on the roster. Right, Jake? We didn't discuss this, but I think that's how we both think of things. And we're going to rank them from best to worst. And, Jake, I think we have the same number one guy here. I'm going to say it's DJ Reader. That is correct. He steps in and is your day one nose tackle. He's your starting nose tackle. He has the potential to stay on the field for three downs from time to time, not every time. has immense run game impact for this team should do a great job of keeping the second level much cleaner than they have been probably since like Demotapeco's best time in Cincinnati. And maybe we didn't give enough credit for that, or, or maybe we did. Uh, what reader does that Peco never did though, is rush the passer a little bit, has a little bit more juice to his game. And when I say juice, I mean just athletic explosion a little more dynamism to his game. So DJ Reader, easily number one for me. Good contract, fair contract for both 
parties here and was the one tier one guy on our list that they signed was the one sign that thing the first sign that things are different so going to number two i don't know if this will surprise anyone because i've talked about him a lot i actually have von bell and i do because he has started four years he's still 25 you got him for three years and that's why i'm ranking him over my number three guy which we'll get to but it's because you get him for three seasons you can control a player in his prime now that has a lot of experience. This is exactly, in my opinion, how you handle free agency and try and find um, gems, guys that will be better. You get them for their prime. You you don't want to sign them at 28, right? You don't want to sign them at 27 sometimes. You can. That means they're, you know, reaching the, you're you're maximizing or your best way to say it. This is what I want to say. You sign a guy at 27, you're paying for his maximum value, right? You're going to pay a premium for that guy. Well, you get him at 25, man, if, if he is in three years really good or c- continues to improve, he's going to get paid big money, and you got him for his prime instead. Yeah, Von Bell is not second for me. We don't agree here. I like the contract a lot, and I like the signing, especially when they did it. This is the a great signing to kind of round out what we think is most likely the end of their free agent spending. But... I just I don't see the the value necessarily the impact he he's we talked about where he steps in and 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 I think that he does make a difference to this defense he gives them flexibility at safety but they have to use him right and that means that they have to hide him in coverage as much as possible let Sean Williams if he's still on the team play those those robber coverages those uh short zones and and the sideline zones um the purple ones in Madden, because ne- neither Joe or I can remember <laughs> the actual name for him. But for me, it's still Mackenzie Alexander. I think that for $4 million, that is a really, really good deal for a really important position at slot corner. It, the, the fit is as clear as day for me. He is your day one slot cornerback. And in this NFL, that's just way more important to me than a safety who's who's likely to be a box guy. I totally get all your arguments. For me, Bell is third. Who do you have third? It would be Mackenzie Alexander. Yeah. And the, the split here was the three years versus yeah. one. I totally love the fair. one year four million. I think it's great. I'd love to I would love if Alexander got the same contract Bell got because I'm confident that he's just now coming into his own and he'll be a good player. He's a former second round pick. Yep. The pedigree's behind him. He will be okay. Um so I would have loved to have controlled him for three years during his prime. And that's twenty for th- th- top three for me. Twenty five years old, twenty five years old, twenty five. That's a maybe weighing more on my um, my rankings here. So going to number four, then I have Trey Waynes, yep. and it's mostly because he's better than the next group of guys, and definitely clearly behind. I think we see exactly clear uh, clearly on this. He is a we had him as a tier three wave three guy. We also had that for Alexander and Bell. So they paid him the most and gave the biggest commitment to him. For me, that makes it worse value and slides him behind the two guys who I believe are great value. Yeah, I think that the only knock on Trey Waynes, I don't mind signing Trey Waynes. I'm not excited by it per se, but I think that it's a fine move from Dre Kirkpatrick. He is a very similar player in coverage, and he's better at other in other things that we've specifically talked about. He has better speed. He's a better tackler. He's going to be mm-hmm. better in the run game. He likes to hit people. You don't see that very often at outside corner. You can see that in his attitude very easily. Uh, that said, it's just an overpay, right? He's projected by most of the the salary projectors based on his performance to get about $8.5 to get a one-year prove-it deal. 
He's a former first-round pick, though. He's an 11th overall pick, I think, by Minnesota. I think that that pedigree drives a lot of value up a lot of times, and that's what happened here. That said, the contract is, is not the worst deal if, if, if it does crash and burn. Like I say, it's never a good sign when you're looking for the outs, but if they have to cut him after two years with the way the cap is going, that's not going to be the end of the world. So Trey Waynes is fourth for me. At fifth is Josh Bynes. This was this is a starting linebacker. He has a track record of success. He's not a three-down linebacker. He's not a guy like Corey Littleton or even a guy with more upside like Kevin Pierre-Lewis or Nick Kwiatkowski, who I would have preferred. But for the money, for the time when they signed him, this was a really good signing. All of the other guys we wanted at linebacker were gone. As soon as Vigil signed, we saw Bynes signed with Cincinnati. I assume those happened pretty simultaneously. And I like the move quite a bit. It's just, you know, when you stack it against the rest of the Bengals' moves, um, you know, it's not exciting. It's, it's not the Corey Littleton of moves, but I am very pleased that they signed him. He was the best available linebacker when they signed him, in my opinion. I think that's the key point, is they got themselves late into free agency without getting a linebacker, and they went and got the best one that yeah. was on the board, which... Fine. That's great. Um, I will always be behind that type of decision. So number six for me is Mike Thomas. Surprise, but I still hope, and because he's a personal favorite, but I still yeah. hope there's something there for him. And the only reason I put him above Xavier Suofilo is because it's got a three-year deal. And the cut of John Miller. So are you even saving any money this year with the dead money on John Miller? I think it was a very strange thing for a lateral move for taking you know uh, uh, another roll of the dice with a very similar player there that money could have probably been saved and spent elsewhere and for you know maybe the help pay for Mackenzie Alexander let's say um so for me I've got Thomas next because I think he could be that seventh guy and special teams guy if that's the route we're heading and I still think there's some hope or at least I'll have fun watching him in the fourth quarter of preseason Thomas is seventh for me because I don't think that he necessarily even makes the team. He probably does because I signed him as an unrestricted free agent, but I, I don't have the same hope that you do for him. I know you really like him. That makes sense. Suofilo's next for me uh, just because he's the next best player I think they signed. He still has a small glimmer of hope for upside, but I think you're really hoping at that point. He was a 33rd pick. He's very athletic. And like we said, he, he pulls really well. So there's a chance that he's a, a better scheme fit than John Miller was. For me, uh, Sims is next just because he has a ton of special teams experience and he has a good amount of uh, defensive experience as well. So I think for a back-of-the-roster corner, you could do a lot worse than Deshaun Sims. He would be a solid backup. And that's what I assume he's been signed for. Yeah, I agree. I'm down with special team signings at this point. Wave four guys, Mike Thomas and Sims, in my opinion. Um, I'm fine with that. I even think Suofilo is a wave four guy. Then they paid a little more for him. Uh, but yeah, that's I'm cool with that, putting him number eight. I got no problem. Got a lot of questions today. Would you elevate this? Because we said it was a B free agency before, but then they've made a few signings since then. Would you elevate this to an A now, Jake? I said I would. Hmm. I'd say B plus. Ooh, being a little tougher. Yeah. Yeah, the only way I mean, it would be an A, I, I'm thinking like A minus range, but it could be an A. The only way it'd be an A plus, if you want to know how would it be perfect, would be if you signed an actual starting guard. Yeah. Well, 
And I think I think that you could like replace the moves because we've picked this apart before, and I can come up with spending the same amount of money. I can come up with players that I would like a little better. That's all. I see. So that's how you would do it. I'm just yeah. grading it from what they for what they did. I think we can put it now as like an A minus. The only way it would have been better is if they would have gotten more for the offensive line. For the Bengals, this is an A plus free agency. For okay, in NFL, comparison. For the NFL, I think this is a B plus free agency. And you go look at PFF in terms of, of how many percentage wins added, they're right up there at the top. So PFF really likes this free agency. So analytics agrees with us a little bit here too. They're not the best, but they're up near the top. And and uh, I, I think that the important thing is that for the Bengals, this is an A plus free agency. Best in their history, most active. I mean, this reminds me, even someone said, is this the most active they've ever been? Well, 2003 was pretty crazy. I mean, they, they gutted everything, brought a lot of guys in with Marvin yeah. Lewis, and then drafted Carson Palmer. That's what it reminds me of. But I, I do feel like they want to leave him a little harder here. It's the same kind of roster reset with a little bit more money spent. And you know what? I just really hope that most of these guys work out and that this is the way that they go forward, that it doesn't scare them off in the future. That's that's still the fear. We, I mean, at this point, we're so conditioned to expect them to go back to the way they were. True. Because they, they have, if you really want to argue, they have sort of done this before. They did the big roster reset with Marvin Lewis and then kind of settled in. So the, the real challenge for, for this front office now is when they do have success again, let's keep it going. Let's not get stubborn. Let's not have, you know, the... the I, I guess you, you're going to have draft misses from time to time. There's no way around it. But, I mean, they've, they've got to. But accepting it is key. Accepting draft misses ex- yeah. and accepting free agent misses is part of remaining a good team and being active because you can't let them scare you away. If only two of these free agents work out and they think they wasted $80 million, that's the danger, right, that they get nervous and scared. Um, same with draft. You know, yeah, how long did it take you to realize Cedric Avoy, he was a bad player? Yet you kept trotting them out there. So you, re- realizing cutting bait quickly is key to moving yep. on and finding new players that can help you win. And I just, this is all exciting. Great. So we graded them. We have elevated the grade. We have ranked our best and worst free agent signings of the Bengals so far. Let us know your rankings on Twitter at the Lockdown Bengals podcast. And we'll look them up and maybe shout out a few of them tomorrow because we got the mailbag. So make sure you get your questions or be ready when we prompt you for questions tomorrow around lunchtime. Yeah, we'll see you then, Bengals fans. Until then, stay safe and have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.